In this season of Inspire and Innovate, a podcast for educators, we take on the faculty-admin divide. I'm going to be honest. When I was a full-time faculty member in middle school, high school, higher ed, I kind of saw administrators as the bad guys. And to be fair, one of the dudes I worked for, the one that screamed at me when I was eight months pregnant because I had the audacity to allow my ninth graders to line up to leave right before the bell rang, had an affair with another English teacher, and wasn't honestly that nice a dude. But even the ones really great administrator I had my first year of teaching, shout out to Julie Bowers, totally, utterly terrified me. How could these school leaders possibly know what was best for my classroom? And anyway, power always corrupts, even those with the best of intentions. Well, now I am an evil administrator and it is easy to lose touch of what's going on in the classroom. That's why my favorite people to talk to are faculty, still the smartest, most in-touch people in the room any time of day. But guess what? The whole us versus them vibe is absurd. Because y'all, as I remind my three kids during road trips or when we're all attempting to clean the house, same team, same goals. I wish there were clear-cut villains and good guys in this life, but the longer I live, the clearer it becomes. We're all doing the best with the knowledge and skills and experiences and energy that we have. And do we all make mistakes too? You betcha. That's why I dedicate this podcast season to a proverbial clearing of the air, saying what needs to be said, because the most vicious of cycles is closing the door to your echo chamber, rolling your eyes, and making comments to your buddies about those faculty or those admin. So this season, we're going to look each other in the eye, the us and the them, whichever us or them you are, and we are going to share stories and words that reflect our truths and lived realities on a variety of themes that matter to this pursuit that we share, educating youth. We all spend our days at the lower school, the three of us, um, and we're blessed to have Shay Egger, our lower school head of school, and Michelle Portera, uh, one of our second grade teachers with us today. First grade. First, first, first grade. Oh, first grade. Why did I always <laughs> say that? It's okay. Um, and I know that. <laughs> and in everything she does. Um, <laughs> but one of the things is Shay is our admin representative, and I just want to say, like, there's so much that's put on admin, but we are super blessed to have her. And I feel like everything that she does within our school and our interactions like she exudes that support. Yes, um, you can tell she's passionate about growing those growers, like the teachers that are in the classroom pouring into growing the yes. kids. Like she really pours into it to us. There so. are, are some um, people that I can think of that from the past that if I had to sit here and have a conversation with my admin about the admin faculty divide, I would be terrified. Oh. But I feel so comfortable because I'm sitting with people who are vulnerable themselves and that way we can have conversations and connection and grow together. So we know that the divide between faculty and administration can be huge, um, like as wide as the Grand Canyon, or I've been in situations where I have felt like there we've worked together truly as a team. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to make sure that um, we kind of give voice to that from both sides. We're going to play devil's advocate a little bit um, and see and look at things that maybe we're not experiencing today, but other teachers around the world, or well, not necessarily the world, but our country for sure, mm -hmm. um, can relate to and maybe experiencing still. Yeah. So um, 
We've collected a couple like memes to kind of get our conversation going. Um, I know you can't see it on the podcast, but we're going to talk about them. It's just kind of get the wheels turning. So we hear desperate cries from teachers and educators across the country wanting support. Um, But when we hear this, we don't always know what exactly they mean by that. Like it's very vague. It's a big umbrella term. Mm -hmm. And I think today we can talk about like narrowing it down and like what are some of the struggles that they really do want support Mm -hmm. and what does that look like in an actual way? Yeah, that's great. And I think one of the things I'm really excited about too to talk about today is that even the title, the faculty admin divide, sort of debunking that a little bit too because it's that perceived divide. But I hope we can sort of walk away from this knowing that Um, I don't know, we can debunk it because we're all on the same team working for the same goals. And um, I hope that if anything, as we wrap this up today, that faculty and administrators who do listen can say, okay, really, we're, the divide is not so wide. In certain situations, in certain, maybe even school cultures, it can feel wide. But when you get down to the nitty gritty, we're always working on that same team for the same end goals. And it's all about the children. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what the current climate is looking like. Um, what are some of the things that you have seen kind of in social media, in the news, things like that, that you feel like teachers across the country are really struggling with? At this point in time, I'm noticing that a lot of the people that have been around a while in teaching are walking away. Mm-hmm. and if they're not walking away, they are kind of shutting down and it is the only way they know how to continue their career is by shutting down emotionally and just kind of going through the motions. And um, I feel maybe they feel not seen or not heard and that there is no way for them to be seen or heard. And so they're either... in burnout and some of them have to keep teaching regardless and some of them are walking away and finding new things to do with their careers. It reminds me of the brain states you know you talk about that survival mode and when you're in that survival mode you can't really learn and things like that we worry about it with the kids yeah but I think teachers are experiencing that they're in that survival mode yeah and so everything else just doesn't go further because they're just trying to make it there every day. Yeah, and it reminds me of what we've talked about here at St. Andrews about being above the line or below the line, Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people are functioning below the line. Um, And that's that survival mode and that feeling of um, being overwhelmed, hopeless a little bit, that, you know, I see the change that needs to happen um, in front of me and I don't feel equipped to do it. I don't feel supported enough to do it. I don't feel valued. I don't feel heard. And when you're below the line, that, you know, innovation, creativity, collaboration, all of that suffers because you are, you're very much in survival mode, like you said, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do, I see a lot of stress and anxiety. um, And teachers are the most passionate people I know. I mean, they're they're the most dedicated professionals. I love teachers. They're my people. I mean, I'm a teacher at heart. I've been in education for 15 years, consider myself first and foremost a teacher. And One of the things I love is that passion, but pouring so much into their work and forgetting, you know, it's like you said, shutting off the emotions, but that self, you know, I almost get tired of that phrase self-care because we say it over and over again, but really taking care of themselves too. Mm -hmm. And um, to be able to do it and remember like the why, 
I think is very needed. And when you are below the line or feeling burnout or feeling overwhelmed, you can forget the why. And you're just like you said, in that mode of I, I do the work, I need the paycheck. Um, and I think society has a lot to do with that. And society is shifting. Lots of people are anxious. Parents are anxious. I mean, it's not just teachers. So know. what are the little factors that build up, do you think, to the teacher burnout? Like, we know that we've gone through COVID, but, like, researching articles and things like that, they date way prior to COVID, where this all started. Um, we're not getting as many students entering education programs in college. We have um, teachers that are leaving the profession. We've got all sorts of strikes and union things that are, I mean, there's lots of hurdles. So it started way before COVID. What other things do you think could be leading to the burnout? I think it's the overwhelm. I think that whether more faculty needs to be hired to do certain things or just people not understanding what the expectations are for their job. I feel like things get piled on like, oh, well, you know, maybe a student needs extra help with reading. Well, the teacher a lot of times is called on to do that extra help. I can think of some years where um, a group of us teachers started a Saturday morning tutoring program for our students because so many were struggling and we were worried about test scores, of course, and expectations. And that was the only way we knew to get the students extra help. So I just feel like teachers, if you become a teacher, it's because you have a heart for it and you mm -hmm. care. So you'll do anything. And I feel like that with teachers putting pressure on themselves mm -hmm. plus additional expectations put on them, you know, from different areas of life, personal and professional, I think it just all of, you know, it will become too much eventually. Yeah. So the day to day, the little things, the task, the planning, mm -hmm. the extra, you know, help for students, all of the requirements to meet those certain expectations just keep piling on. And you think we're just wait, have put so much weight that maybe causing it to collapse and yeah teachers always say they need more time you know when I when I say what does support look like for you what do you need oftentimes it's I could use some more time to schedule and to get the things done so you know in my role I think what what can I do to eliminate that do some things on the administrative end so really teachers can focus on what they're here to do and it's Definitely. Yeah, it's to teach the kiddos. It's not to be bogged down in paperwork or, you know, tons of meetings or um, things like that. I also, you know, you brought up a good question. You said even pre-COVID, like what, what are the things that got us here? And I just think about society in general and like the, the sickness almost of hurry, like fast pace, hurry society. And it's working from that place of scarcity even before the pandemic of not enough like not enough resources not enough time in the day um and when you're functioning from that place you're in that that um uh, i don't know that that sense of hurriedness all the time and it increases anxiety and while you were talking it made me think about um, a book i think the title was the the ruthless elimination of hurry um, that I read a couple of years ago. And it, you know, it's not about just education. It's about the fast pace and things to do in our lives that help us stay grounded and present and in the moment. And I just think that adds to everything in education and it adds to teachers' lives. I think it adds to our parents too, is that fast paced, hurried piece of our society. 
Absolutely, because let's be honest, most of us are also parents or caregivers, you know, to elderly parents. We all are not only dealing with work stress, but also just day-to-day living stress. And I think one of the benefits of the pandemic was we did have a minute to stop and think about what wasn't necessary or what wasn't serving us and letting it you know, fall away or making efforts to um, stop focusing on those things that weren't quite as important. And I think the phrase in education a lot of times is, you know, work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And we had a minute to take stock and inventory and, and figure out how to do that. And now I think as individual classroom teachers and our system as a whole, we've all got to agree to do that so that the stress level is taken down a notch because we know it can't go on Mm -hmm. the way it is. Mm -hmm. All right, so one of the things that this brings up is what Shay was saying, the lack of time. And I think that we always try to work harder if we invest more time in this. You know, the time is the first thing in our most easy resource to invest into something to be successful. Um, And that leads to that smarter, not harder of taking a look very objectively like just jumping in kind of getting dirty and saying what is eating our time and Mm -hmm. what's taking away from that that's adding that level not just for the teachers but for our students um you know like where are we losing it Um, i know like when i was in the classroom um classroom management things like that transitions even in middle school like we lost so much time moving from one thing to another that we had to look at very, you know, very raw, very open and say, how are we doing this? Why are we losing this time? What can we change? Maybe it's just the order of the way we're teaching the lessons or different Mm -hmm. things like that, but how to, to save that time. And I think as educators, as teachers, as admin, we have to be able to look at and say, what can I do to decrease that time, you know, to make it smarter, not harder, um, to streamline some processes and not make things more complicated than they have to be. And Mm -hmm. I think that's a big key is we don't need to overcomplicate things. We do not need to reinvent the wheel. Like this is not a new world that we work in. Our kids, um, kids at heart are still the same. You know, as we learn more scientifically and through all of the different things that are available, that should make things easier. But we feel like we're just adding more and more layers when it doesn't have to be that complicated. Right. Yeah, and uh, you know, as an administrator being very aware too of new things that we add to plates, um, changes, like going about any sort of, even if it's like a change in curriculum, if it's a change in our schedule, doing it so um, that it's purposeful and done with teacher feedback is so important because of that, that awareness that there's already so much on the plate and time is the thing that (laughs) we could all use more of. Um, And I even, you know, I think about if, even as simple as running meetings efficiently. Like if we have, you know, here at St. Andrews, we have grade level meetings every other week. It's like, how can we make sure that it's the very best use of time? Always thinking, um, could this be better done in an email? You know, and just having an agenda beforehand, making sure communication is clear. Like that that is all done intentionally for the teachers because y'all are, y'all are the superstar you're the ones in the trenches like you're the ones with the children and knowing um if we if we listen and faculty are saying we need more time then it's 
you know, it's about also in my mind making best use of the time that I am taking, like seeing it as incredibly valuable in their day, their time is precious. How can I make sure it's efficient? Not always, I'm not saying I know how to do it perfectly, but it's, if, I think the first thing we can do as educators is, or as, as administrators is be aware of that. Um, and that, you know, even when I have a group of, of teachers in a room that I'm super mindful of like what we're discussing, that it's pertinent, that it's relevant, and that it's a, a meeting that simply is run as efficiently as I can do it because your time is precious. It can even go down into how or the format of how something is done. So lesson plans we know are like a necessary evil. Like <laughs> we hate them, but we love them when we need them, right? So like it kind of keeps us on track. It keeps us able to plan and on on the road to the right direction. But I have been even in situations where the lesson plan format that maybe an administrator required because oh, that was the one yeah. that they were the most comfortable yes. with. I've been there too. Takes five times as long than because our brains just kind of process that information a little bit differently. You know, you can have a totally different format that's much more detailed. It gives you much more valuable information mm -hmm. and it takes a fraction of the time, but it's just because of the way that we all kind of function. Mm -hmm. Like we all use our calendars different. We all, you know, in our budgets different like we all kind of approach things uniquely and mm -hmm. that's what's important in education is that we can do that and then share that with our students mm -hmm. but when we're doing those behind the scenes tasks I think that's one of those things that sometimes creates that divide mm -hmm. is that what is super comfortable for one person is very time consuming for another and point. so mm -hmm. it's just because of differences in personalities and different ways of that our our workflow goes and could that be addressed um, by thinking about the level of trust oh, I was just thinking trust when you <laughs> said this yes because I know that when I type out lesson plans I know what I'm talking about I am not even if they're short I am not trying to shortchange anyone it's just that I can um, write down enough where I know exactly what my objective is and how I'm going to do it and how I will assess and if I share that with an administrator and they get it I would hope that that format would be good enough and if they don't mm -hmm. understand it then we could have a conversation about how I need to write it differently that would be more respectable and more build more trust rather than just saying here put it in this format that takes two extra hours right because I'm yeah. sure that I mean most teachers that are in the trenches every day you know even with our state standards and things like that no matter your public private you know mm -hmm. we all know what they are and we use mm -hmm. those as a guide um you could probably cite off exactly what standards are doing and which one I mean multi-curricular and you could probably do all of these things off the top of your head but the time that it takes to like fill all of those baby pieces in and like make sure you're putting the wording and copying and pasting, it just eats them up. And I think that's one thing that does create a divide. Yeah. Just of many, but you know, like one thing that we just sometimes don't think about. And I think about like, what is the goal? So if we take lesson plans, for example, what is the goal of a lesson plan? And it's not for me as an administrator to be able to read exactly what standard, I mean, at least that's how I feel. The goal of a lesson plan is for a teacher to plan and put it in writing. And if you had a sub step in, sure, like they could pick it up and do it. And um, my perspective from that has always been, you know, we have, I love the whole Google suite and the shared drive and everything. I like having access to the folder so I can 
dip in and out and see the topics and themes. Mostly that's how I know like if something cool is going on, I can come to the classrooms or what units you're doing. And um, the format has, has never in my mind been something that's important. Um, what really matters to me is, you know, walking into classrooms and, and teachers do this. This is where teachers are, I mean, just like you were saying, you could do it without a lesson plan. It's, you could do it off the top of your head. Being able to just like articulate um, and say what it is you're doing and the intentionality behind it. Like I'm more concerned with that. I'm not even in those, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm not even in those lesson plan folders to even see right. because it's, it's the flow in and out. I love walking through classrooms, coming in. I can, you know, see the centers or see the, the math station or whatever that maybe a teacher has set out and I can see the intentionality behind why you did this. I mean, when I'm in our early childhood center and it's maybe stations in the morning and it's even like working with beads, I see the intentionality of the fine motor skills they're developing. Like, I don't need a written lesson plan to tell me that. Uh, I want to walk in, I want to see it, and, I, and it is, it's all about trust. I'm so glad you said trust, mm-hmm. um, because to me, it speaks volumes in, in I guess, towards trust, um, where I think teachers don't feel trusted is when they feel very micromanaged. And sometimes those very detailed lesson plans, again, it's like, what, what's the goal here? Are you wanting me to be able to, to type and justify what I do because the administrators, you know, they start to question, like, why do I have to do this? Right. And I think that's just one example. But like, mm-hmm. for instance, with public school, how you're talking about, like, we have that ability to sure. the way that we use yeah. that, you know, like in the public school setting, you have the state department that is, oh. you know, looking at everything in and out. And then you have your school districts who are taking the heat from this. And, you know, all of those things kind of roll downhill. And I think that trust, especially in districts maybe that are struggling, um, you know, whether it be socioeconomic or, Mm -hmm. you know, just natural disasters, things like that, that all impact those, that all comes downhill. And I think it kind of disintegrates as you go. Mm -hmm. And so what is some ways that no matter which type of school that you're in or, you know, what type of administration maybe you feel even stuck in? Like, how do we move towards building that trust and rebuilding a foundation in the education system, like, as a whole? That's what's so hard because systems are different. They're different sizes. um, They're run by different, you know, administrators, different types of people. Um, But I feel like the power, as far as on the school level, when the admin, um, when they are in the right frame of mind and their heart is in the place of, I wanna work with you. And there's a vulnerability there of, um, I'm here and I see you, my teachers and you know my faculty and how can we work together? When you start that conversation, instead of it being kind of a one-way thing of here are your directives mm-hmm. and I'll go do it, there's something to be said for that. I have um, one person in mind who, Um, was an administrator that really changed the trajectory of my career because, yes, we were in public school, and, yes, there was so much pressure, and we had to bring up the grade of our school. And I felt like she knew all that, but she didn't transfer the pressure to the teachers. Mm. Also, she worked on our strengths. She would say, you're good at this could you do X, Y, Z, or you're good at that. I see you, you know, being really good at 
organization, could you organize this math night for us? And whenever she asked me to do things, it felt like an honor and a pleasure because I knew that she saw it. I knew that she valued it and I knew that it was something that would help the kids ultimately. So I don't know, there's a, there's a certain attitude I feel like that changes all that. The, I felt like my administrator kind of sheltered us from those right. higher pressures. And I think communication is the key. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, to building trust and building relationships and all those. I think the communication is that bottom point. But you have to be willing to give it as well as receive it Mm -hmm. without getting defensive and putting up walls. And I think because this has carried on for so long, I think maybe teachers are feeling like when they do receive feedback, positive or negative, like Mm -hmm. they automatically are defensive because they are in that survival mode. Mm -hmm. And we've been there as the system for so long that it's yeah. it's hard to break that cycle yeah and I think that leadership um you know communication is going to be that key in both directions mm-hmm. um I have worked for an administrator um it was probably the worst time of my entire career the biggest struggle um but they used communication as a power tool and withholding it gave them more power mm-hmm. because then they were the ones that everyone had to go to. Yes. Um, and so those leadership skills and who you want to be as a leader and how you mm-hmm. want to lead your team and how you see yourself in that team, whether you are the teacher or the admin, I think is vital in being willing to communicate in both directions very honestly and openly. I think it's going to be the only way we can start to build that bridge, you know, for teachers and admin that are really struggling. Yeah. And it's also just listening to you both. It's like, I could just keep thinking it's all about connection. I mean, that when we break it all down, that we all want to be um, in communion with one another. We all want to be connected as individuals and staying connected is all about communication, about building trust. And I think in whatever, um, I guess, situation you're in or whatever, maybe the policies and standards, I would, I feel like number one priority for me is to, to have those connections with my faculty. Um, and even if there were some things coming down heavy, we, we are, I mean, this working in an independent setting, I'm very aware that, you know, it's different. I've worked in, I worked six years in public school. Um, and so I understand, you know, different, different sort of ways of doing things in, in all the different public or public versus private school systems. But I think like y'all are saying, it comes down to the leadership values and also just, um, I would urge like any administrator, and again, this isn't something that I do perfectly, but I think building connections too is, is letting the teachers know your heart, but that vulnerability is so important. Mm-hmm. And yes, you can't always just share everything and divulge, but even when you can't in communication, being able to say, um, I hear you, I, this is, I can share this much. I promise when I'm able to share more, I will. I mean, just staying in communication. I think that comes down to, share. yeah, uh, sorry, yeah. It, authenticity. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. yeah, there's lines and then there's information you can't share, whether it be about students, parents, at staff, you know, like we all know those boundaries and there's all sorts of laws and things right. that are in place. And we, we know that um, song and dance, but I think just being authentic, authentic mm-hmm. and just kind of allowing that vulnerability like we want to make mistakes in front of our students because we do want them to know that it's okay for them to make mistakes right, right. so and that is a huge too. thing for them to yeah. do we I think as leaders um 
have to do the same thing. Right. Like we have to say, oh, I dropped the ball on this one. Luckily, this one will bounce and we can pick it up and keep going. You know, like I read something in COVID talking about the difference between glass balls and rubber balls Mm -hmm. and like which ones, if we let collapse, are going to shatter and things are going to be detrimental or which ones can fall. Yeah can bounce back right. and we can pick yeah. up and keep going and maybe even do better, you know? Yeah. So like, I think that that's one of those type of situations mm-hmm. um, where yeah. that can make a big difference. And I think part of the vulnerability for from leaders and from administrators too is sharing their values. You know, we hear so often, like, don't forget your why. What's your why? And that can be, uh, that can feel abstract to me. Like for me, concretely, it's what are my values? And let me identify them. Let me carry them with me. Like if I go into a hard conversation, you talked about feedback both ways. I mean, we do here try, um, again, not doing it. I find myself fumbling through it constantly. Um, But when I remember what my values are, one of mine is authenticity. The other um, is knowledge. Knowledge meaning like I give myself permission to pause before making big decisions. I seek you know, I, I want to know where others are at on the topic before I decide things. That, that's kind of what I mean by knowledge. But when I know and my faith, those are my three values, um, authenticity, knowledge, and faith. And then our connected, um, our, our admin team, our values are authenticity and connected leadership. And so knowing, okay, by connected leadership, we mean that we are trying to stay, we give ourselves permission to stay fully engaged, fully present when I'm in a meeting. I give, we're big on permission slips for ourselves around here, you know, giving ourselves permission to put the email away so that I can be fully present. Those, when I carry those values into everything, I'm at least, I'm doing the best I can to build that connection with with teachers. You know, like I said, I've, I fumble through it a lot, but I think any leader, um, I would hope, is very aware of the why. And concretely, it's like being able to name and identify my values and carry them wherever I go and let my team know what they are. I mean, if, if I'm leading a group of teachers, you need to know where my heart is and here's what I value and here's why. And I want to know, I can't wait to lead our teachers in value conversations soon because I want to know all my faculty members' values. And that to me is, is connection and vulnerability. But it, it takes like slowing down and being intentional. And that is hard because again, we're back to time, like we said. Right. But we have things we got to get done. It's but almost a luxury to some people yeah. in their mind instead of a necessity. And can you take 10 minutes of like the start of a faculty meeting and talk values and share values right. with one another? Yeah, so it's hard. I know and very aware that that might not be easy to do. But, but would the world end if you you know, if your school is experiencing a lot of pressure due to, I don't know, test scores or whatever the situation may be, would would we die if we, instead of talking about curriculum, took a meeting and said, let's just enjoy each other. Let's just (laughs) eat and drink and be merry just for 30 minutes and connect with each other. Um, I have to say this about my conversation with Shay, um, following an observation, she asked me, um, do we not party enough? <laughs> and do we need to have more fun? I thought, <laughs> what is this world? But she's so right because that's part of connection. And if mm-hmm. that's what's missing, that has to be addressed. And if it feels like there's not time for that, then it pays to make time for that. 
Just like people who are in survival mode don't play. There's no time for play. Play no, is above you, the line. Yes. Being above the line is when you, you play. You have to play if you're going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So that is worth um, thinking about if you're an administrator or a teacher and you feel so under the line and, and pressured. I mean, you won't die if you just stop for a minute. You won't, you know, you won't lose right. your Right, is it job. rubber or glass? Exactly. I was just thinking that. Is it a ball that can bounce right back? Yes, yes. prioritizing and, and really being intentional about that. And, and it reminds me also of the whole self-care push and how um, once you learn what self-care is and like what your needs are and how and what it takes to meet your needs, all of a sudden it's like a, a practice that you do. And it's not this separate thing like, oh, let me take some time for self-care now or whatever. Or I always you, think of it like my happy place, not yeah. like mm-hmm. off on a beach somewhere, which is where I would always want to be. Right. But like what makes me feel content in my day to day? Like yes. what is it that keeps me there? Mm-hmm. In that's the moment, I, yeah. present. Yes. So whatever that takes is what technically the self-care is, is yes. what's getting you to that where you can function in your day to day, whether it be work or family, cooking dinner or, you know, all of those little things. Like, but what allows you to function doing those things Mm -hmm. in a feeling of contentment. Can I give you an example? Mm -hmm. So last night, our um, parents association provided dinner for all the teachers to take home. Mm -hmm. It was delicious also, by the way. And I just thought about that gesture versus a principal coming into a meeting after school and saying, y'all are tired. I can tell y'all are tired. Y'all need to do some self-care when you get home. Mm -hmm. That helps zero amount like that is condescending it's almost when, like duh. yeah <laughs> I know I don't even like the term anymore because I feel like it's so over you right. don't forget it, self-care it, right you know, yeah. it's just checking a box mm-hmm. you know it but that gesture speaks volumes it says I see you I support you here's the support you like know? here's something tangible yes. that you that will help in some way save 30 minutes or 45 mm-hmm. minutes you know standing in the kitchen cooking for your family yeah like it was for the whole family yeah so it, it was. was it was the it was an amazing gesture and no they can't do that every support. yeah they can't do it every day that's not the point the point is that one moment in time went far you know it mm-hmm. really spoke when I do think parents too I mean that's such a we are blessed with an amazing group of parents around here that support and do so much. But in no matter what situation you're in, that partnership with parents, and um, I think if there were any parents listening too, it's just that asking teachers what what does even not just administrators asking what does support look like, parents saying what does support look like, what can I what can I do to support you. Um, I think goes, not only does it help build that partnership, but if it's, you know, the dinners last night, they were amazing. That was probably a pricey thing. Not everybody has the resources, but what could you do with, you know, with the resources that you do have to show that connection and that support? Yeah. Putting that into words, like when you're asked, like, how can we support you? It actually puts the person speaking in a place of vulnerability because Mm -hmm. it requires them to be very objective Mm -hmm. and honest to the person that they may feel uncomfortable in those situations. So it comes back, I think, always to that vulnerability and honesty, you know, that authenticity um, with each other, no matter how stressed or strained or great the divide has been. Like, we need to start across the country, you know, being able to build that bridge um, in some districts. That's 
there's nothing, you know, like they're really struggling with that divide. Um, and others just like closing that gap, you know, like where it may not be super large, Mm -hmm. but it is something that they still feel, um, in certain circumstances. And I think it comes down to that authenticity and that connection that he, whether it be staff, you know, faculty and staff, administration, parents, you know, like something happens and you say, okay, this is what was supposed to happen. I was supposed to send this home with this child today Mm -hmm. and I totally dropped it. Like that honesty puts you in a vulnerable place, but we have to be willing to go there to make the, to make the change. And it's the trust. The trust. If the trust Mm -hmm. is there, I mean, and I think taking the time to work on intentionally work on the trust. And it all circles around again, because it means that you bring your whole self to your job. Mm -hmm. You're not censoring yourself. You know, you're not cutting off the certain part of your personality just to function in this um, workplace. You're bringing your whole self. And so there's such peace there that, and if everybody is operating from that place of I'm a hundred percent here and a hundred percent human. Yes. We do not work in a factory. That's right. Our babies are not factories of these kids. They are human just like we are. And we have to recognize that with them and with each other. And when we accept those parts of ourselves that we don't particularly care for, we give other people more grace too, because if we're, you know, we're gracious with ourselves and gracious, you know, with other people. And that just creates such a more positive work environment. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And, and building, I think that trust between leadership and our admin and teachers so that they hear from their administrators that that's the expectation is to show up as your whole self, that that's not a scary thing. It's mm-hmm. not a, yes, it takes a lot of vulnerability, Um, But if the administrators and leadership are modeling it too, um, then maybe teachers feel more comfortable Mm -hmm. doing it as well. Well, I want to thank you ladies yeah. so much for joining us today. This is so I, much just, fun. I had a blast. I think these are conversations that aren't always easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you were willing to kind of give a voice to those positions. Um, and I feel like we are all very blessed to be a part of our St. Andrews family. Absolutely. So, yeah. Thank you guys again. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks.